Hello and welcome to episode number 17 of Analog on Relay FM. This week's episode of Analog is brought to you by Dev Mountain, a world-class coding school in the mountains of Utah, and also by our friends at Igloo, an internet you'll actually like. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by the wonderful Casey Liss. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm good. That was the best I could do. I, I couldn't think of anything more. I wanted to give you some like alliteration to your intro this week, and I and I failed. The crazy Casey Liss. Yeah. See, I wanted to wanted to be capable, nice, Casey. The capable. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, <laughs> how's things? Crazy. Yeah, good, good, my friend. How how are things with you? Uh things are things are going pretty well. Um, a little bit busy around these parts between baby and work, but uh, that's all right. We'll make Wait. it through. Oh, you haven't quit your job yet? No, I should, but I haven't. We have a relatively, for this show at least, full follow up this week. I think. Which is to say more than one or two items. <laughs> there are three items. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's go through this really quickly. Um, you first, need to explain why this is in here. This first one? Yeah. Uh, this is in here. The, the thing we're speaking of is a post by a Mr. Richard Hammond about analog, which I should add is spelled incorrectly, versus digital. And um, ah. this post... This post is about um, just kind of living your life and not being obsessed with what's going on in your phone. But it's also about how, it, uh, if I were to interpret this, and I'm curious how you took it, um, Richard was saying that for those of us who didn't grow up with all of this technology, even people of our age, you know, so we grew up with a lot of technology, but not not quite the ubiquitous, ubiquitous, whatever. It wasn't everywhere. You know what I mean? Ubiquity? Yeah, 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 yeah. One of those. You know what I'm thinking. We'll we'll, we'll fix this in post. But anyway, um, it wasn't as ubiquitous then when we were growing up as, as it is now. And what he was saying is, you know, to us to some degree, his kids actually have a better or are better and more adjusted with technology than than he is. Or at least that's how that's what I took from it. What did you think? No, I didn't do my homework. Uh, Michael. I saw the link and thought that for some reason you wanted to tell the listeners of Analog that there's a new season of Top Gear starting soon. Genuinely, that's what <laughs> I thought this was. So I was like, I know that news, and then didn't didn't open the link. I'm sorry. Well, there's that. So Richard Hammond is one of the three hosts, if you're American, or presenters, if you're British, of the uh, British TV show Top Gear, which is bar none my favorite TV show in the entire world. And that's partly why I wanted to talk about this. I'm sorry so. that I didn't that I didn't do my homework. It's okay, Marco. I, I was going to say, I feel like I'm on ATP now. What's happening? <laughs> That's all right. All right, so let's uh, talk about corporate loyalty. Do you want to take us through that? Uh, listener Matt uh, raked us over the coals via email um, and sent in a, a very interesting um, piece. Uh, he sent in a couple of quotes and also a link to something that he wrote. And he basically was trying to put into our minds a little bit and trying to make us understand that we shouldn't be so butthurt about 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 not having loyalty with our companies <laughs> and how it really upset us and, and I'm not trying to to belittle what he's saying but it was I'm kind of trying to put across his point in that we're being stupid and assuming that we should have it so uh, Matt does a better job of explaining this than I can so 
He says, a corporation is not a living creature. It has no soul. It has no heart. It has no feelings. It can neither experience towards you nor enjoy from you even the concept of loyalty. It is a legal fiction and it exists for one purpose only, to make profit. The CEO of your company is a paid sociopath. I mean that in the nicest way possible, of course, but it is literally their actual job description to place the interests of a soulless legal fiction over the needs and desires of a living, breathing human beings with actual feelings. Very good point. These are all very good points. Um, and I totally get what Matt is saying. Like it, sh- it on by buck. If you like, look at it on paper. There is absolutely no reason why a company should be loyal to me. Like, and I don't like. I understand, like, to the point where the day that I leave, my company didn't shut down and I knew I'd be replaced, like, replaced. Like, new guy, new girl, like, no problem. They can just go in, take Mike's job and do it, and, like, everything's going to continue as as it was, like, as fine as it was. But it was just, you know, for me, it wasn't, like, the only thing that I felt about in loyalty was compensation. And I felt like I was not being compensated for sticking with the company and I felt that my experience should have been compensated uh, and it wasn't. So that that was that was what I meant by loyalty. For me, that was that is all I mean when I talk about the fact that I didn't feel that my company was loyal. It was I don't feel like my experience was compensated when there were people joining the company that didn't have as much experience as me, earning more money than me. And I felt that if I was going to look at that as loyalty, my loyalty wasn't rewarded. But I totally appreciate and I'm very thankful for this follow-up because I think that it highlights something which is quite important that I shouldn't necessarily be upset at my company for doing this because they were putting the company's best interests at heart. Why would they pay me more money when they didn't need to? Right. Why would they do that? Like, I get that. I totally get that. Yeah, his point was excellent. And I actually think that that listener, Matt, is spot on. I didn't... I didn't really want to get too far into it in the last episode because I mean, I do like my job and, and it is tough sometimes. And there are times obviously that I want to leave it, but in the grand scheme of things, I like my job. And I do think that my company tries as best it can to operate in such a way that it's beneficial for itself and its employees. But in the end of the day, it's business. It's not feelings. It's business. It's not emotions. And if it's a choice between you know, keeping me on the payroll, even if I'm not performing well or firing me or laying me off or whatever, they're going to take the job or take the choice that, that suits themselves. I mean, businesses are inherently selfish by design and that's the way it is. So yeah, they're great points by listener Matt. So thanks for sending that in. Finally, um, the entire internet sent us one more link, Mike, would you like to talk about this? (laughs) This is a great, uh, comic. From the oatmeal. That's um, not true. You're already off to a bad start. It is not a great comic. It is a freaking wonderful comic by okay. the oatmeal that that absolutely nails exactly what Mike is about to say. So this was, it's basically perfectly timed uh, because it's about email. Um, and basically what the oatmeal, I can't remember his actual name, because Matthew Inman, is that right? That's it. Perfect. I don't think he's been public about his name for as long as the oatmeal's been around, so I just think of him as oatmeal, which is probably somebody thinking of us as analog, but hey, <laughs> these, these are the things that happen. Um, so Matthew Inman wrote, uh, drew, wrote and drew this fantastic comic um, about email, and he categorizes 
email as a little monster, like he personifies it, which is such a smart thing to do, like to personify it because it really helps drive home. And he's he's basically making a few points. The fact that like the monster is constantly talking to him. One thing you should go read this, right? Stop. If you haven't read this comic, it's in the show notes, which you can find at relay.fm slash analog slash 17. Go and read it and then come back to it. So basically in summary, um, he personifies it as a monster that's like checking in, seeing how you're doing. Doesn't mean to bother, but like is bothering, like always being there. And then it like gets bigger and bigger. The monster gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And every time he shrinks it down, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger again. Um, And he also like tries to show how it doesn't seem to matter what he does. The monster is going to always be there demanding his attention in the nicest possible way. And the monster is like sad if you don't talk to it, but the monster doesn't understand. And he also tries to show a little bit about, and we've got quite, I think we've got quite, or at least I have gotten quite a bit of negative feedback this week about the email is not my job thing. Interesting. I didn't see much of that at all. Okay. I've I've gotten a little bit about it on Twitter. And he does a really, really great job, I think, of showing that. So it's like, if I spent the time giving every email that I received the amount of time that it probably deserved, then I would have less time to work on these things, which is kind of the thing that people want me to do in the first place. I think that that's yep. kind of like the person that's like the, the sort of if you were to boil down that idea that's what it is so that means sometimes some things fall through the cracks and at the moment i'm not at the point where email is that heavy a distraction for me i can see the trend so i'm trying to get myself into the habit now that's what this is about like that's why my email habits are changing now because i can see where it's trending towards and i don't want to get there so I'm right. trying to like nip it in the bud and, mm-hmm. and, and get into a rhythm and get into a pattern with things now. Because like, I'm clearly at a time in my life right now where I'm evaluating my workflows, Casey. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, it makes sense. The, uh, the one thing that I uh, really liked about this comic, and I think my favorite part of it is about halfway down it, and it shows a, it's a, it talks about brevity. And I'm going to read a, a few parts of it. It says, perhaps email itself is to blame. It is a broken protocol that demands verbosity. Brevity in a text message is totally acceptable. But in an email, it's considered curt. And that is yeah. such a wonderful summary yep. of exactly what everyone, myself included, thinks of email. It's weird, isn't it? Well, I think it's because email comes from letter writing. Yep. And because so many of the things, so many, so much of the iconography of email is based in letter writing. Yep, like, absolutely. Completely. And and that's the interesting thing about it, isn't it? Yeah. And, and this whole comic, it's not very long at all. It is definitely worth reading. And it is spot on. I mean, I don't care if you're someone that gets thousands of emails a day or someone that gets just a few unsolicited emails a day. As long as you're getting unsolicited emails from strangers, even every great once in a while, this will, or actually it doesn't even have to be from strangers. It can be from coworkers for gosh sakes. If you're getting unsolicited email, this applies to you. That's the thing that I, I don't think I've put across properly in a lot of this. Like I was doing this stuff in my day job. I was applying this methodology to my day job. And I don't feel like I've explained that 
like I was I was actually more harsh with the email that I received in my corporate job than I am with email now. Like I would quite literally get requests to do something and I would look at the look at the request and if I felt like it was a waste of my time, I would flat out delete it without reply. Now this is at work, right? And this could be from like a higher up or a colleague or like a project manager. If I could look at it and be like, this is somebody pushing paper or this is somebody who is trying to better themselves by using me. I'll be like, I'm going to delete this request. And if it comes back, I'll take another look at it. You got away with that? Nobody else does it. So no one ever thinks you're doing it. Huh. I wish I had the gumption to do that. I do not. No, but that's that's the thing. I didn't care, so I had the confidence to do it mm-hmm. because it was like fool's confidence. Because for me, it was like, what are you going to do to me? Like, yeah. You, you can't fire me over that. You could try. <laughs> like, right. I mean, like, what's the worst thing you do? You force me into doing the thing that I want to do anyway. That was always, that was like my thinking. It was like, what can you do? Like, I'm not... I'm not like breaking an employee code. I'm evaluating my workload. Right that, right. that was the way I looked at it. I was like, this thing you sent me, I, I, I believe is a waste of my time. Therefore the company's money. So I'm not going to deal with this. I'm going to focus on the things that I think are important. Mm-hmm. So like I was just evaluating how I worked. And, and that meant like I kept my email inbox to never more than seven emails at a time. There was only ever seven unread emails in my email inbox. Oh, I wish I was that good. Because I would just remove things. I would just, if it, something, if I felt like something wasn't worth my time, then I would let it go. Or like if I received something and two weeks passed and nobody chased me on it, that goes now. Like in, in a corporation that works as quickly as that one, like mm-hmm. actually it works slowly, but people had fast demands. If, if people aren't chasing you on something, you know it was just a, a, a paper-pushing action meeting exercise that yeah. somebody had, you know. You have the follow-up yeah. action to go and speak to Mike about the thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I hear you. All right, why don't you tell us about uh, someone that you think is pretty awesome? We've got a new sponsor this week, Casey. I think this is a really interesting one. It's Dev Mountain. Dev Mountain is a world-class coding school in the mountains of Utah. They deliver the best learning experience you can find in one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Dev Mountain is opening applications for a 12-week full-time iOS development course that begins in the first week of February. With only 25 slots available, it fills quickly and it's only eight weeks away. As a student of Dev Mountain, you'll be assigned an individual mentor to help answer questions when you get stuck and make sure that you get the most out of your class. The level of care that they give is crazy awesome and will make sure that you get the most out of your course. Whether you're new to this or if you've struggled with learning to code in the past, you are perfect for Dev Mountain. With a mentor and a structured learning environment, you're more likely to learn how to code with this than you've ever had before. February is such an amazing time to go to Utah. It's beautiful there all year round, but the mountains and snow are gorgeous. I've seen photos. It looks fantastic. (laughs) And the guys (laughs) over at Dev Mountain, whenever I talk to them, they insist on reminding me how great it looks there. The tuition fee, exactly. The tuition fee for Dev Mountain includes free housing for full-time students. So you'll be able to enjoy it with the students that come from all over the world. 
and they have access to their campus available to you for 24 hours a day so you can go and learn at whatever time you like, no matter what time of, type of learner you are. Students at Dev Mountain actually build and finish iOS apps. They have many students that finish the course with not just one, but two apps actually in the store by the end of it. This isn't theoretical. This is real learning. Listeners of Analog get a special $250 off when you use the coupon code FUNEMPLOYMENT at checkout. With Dev Mountain, you'll have your own app in the App Store in only 12 weeks. Learn to code. It's time. Go to devmountain.com slash funemployment to find out all about Dev Mountain and help support this show. Thank you so much to Dev Mountain for supporting Analog and Relay FM. That's awesome. Um, I wish I had the time to go do that. That'd be great. It looks amazing. Uh, it really, really does. So, Mike, we were talking about how um, text messages are forced to be pretty succinct. There's another place where messages have to be pretty succinct, um, and that place is Twitter. Mm -hmm. And what we thought we'd talk about today is a little bit about Twitter and what it is and why we like it or don't like it and what do we get from it or not get from it and and so on. So, hey, listeners, this is Casey. I just wanted to let you know that Mike and I spend the next five minutes or so kind of introducing Twitter to those of you who may not know what Twitter is. If you're a Twitter expert, then you might want to skip forward about five minutes and save yourself the time. Thanks. Let's start with, um, let, let's describe Twitter because there are definitely people that listen to this show, I, I know it for fact, that don't actually use Twitter and and perhaps don't entirely understand what it is. And so... Mike, would you like to, or would you like me to kind of give a quick summary of Twitter and a couple of the key terms, like, for example, retweet or favorite or something like that? So this is like a primer, right? Mm -hmm. um, basically, Twitter is a way for people to share status updates with their friends. And this can mean basically, this at the heart of it, um, people saying what they're up to, what they're doing, talking about things they enjoy, and also having conversations around certain topics or communicating with friends and or people that they admire about the things that they are tweeting about. Yep, and and I think that's a really good summary. Um, I, I would slightly disagree insofar as I think it's about more than status updates. And absolutely, that is where it started many, many years ago. Um, but over time, as I became a more and more prolific Twitter user, it occurred to me that there's almost kind of two different Twitters, if that makes any sense. There's, or two different kinds of Twitter users, perhaps. There's a kind of Twitter user that is strictly about updating people about what they're doing. And often, but not always, this is, say, a celebrity, for example, like, oh, I'm filming such and such, or, oh, I just recorded blah, blah, blah song with, you know, whatever trendy artist there is today. And then there's a different kind of Twitter, which is more about conversations. And so the way that works is, if you put an at sign at the front of somebody's username, and if you put that at the front of a tweet, a tweet being one post to Twitter, then that message, it is public, but it will only show up on the timeline of either the person you're talking to or mentioning, or on the timeline of people who follow both you and the person you're messaging. So let's give a concrete example. So I send a message to my co-host on ATP, John Syracuse. 
Well, Mike follows both John and I, so he will see me talking to John. And what's wonderful and also sometimes bad about Twitter is you could, uh, you could, Mike, pipe into that conversation and throw in your two cents. And really, there's nothing stopping you, right? Nothing at all. Right. And so that that conversational part of Twitter is what I like, what I tend to really like about it. But we'll get mo- get into that a little bit more in a moment. A couple of pieces of terminology that you're going to hear us throwing around a lot, and then I think we're pretty much done with the pr- Twitter primer. The nobody, primer. nobody has explained Twitter this much on a podcast in ten years. <laughs> yep, but it's important to me. It's important to me because I know, I know. for example, no, like my parents listen to this show, and they don't entirely understand what Twitter is. That has nothing to do with the fact that they're my parents and older than I am. They just don't use Twitter. No, so anyway, I get so, it. I, get it. I, 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 I was mainly doing that so you'd explain it like that. Uh, you, you were setting me up and I appreciate it. So a couple of quick pieces of terminology, um, a favorite or a fave, or you might hear us refer to it as a star, is kind of a passive way to acknowledge that you like that tweet. And people use favorites differently, just like they use Twitter differently. But Generally speaking, you can, for any tweet, you can just mark it with a little star and say you faved it or that's a favorite. Um, And the other thing that that you'll hear us talk about is retweeting, which is to say you can take somebody else's tweet and publish it, not as though it's your own, but just publish it to all of your followers. So maybe I have a bunch of followers that don't follow Mike. I doubt that, but it's possible. And Mike tweets something really funny or really interesting. Well, I can retweet that tweet, and and my followers, even if they don't follow Mike, will see Mike's tweet. And then finally, there's subtweeting, which is an obnoxious way of... How would you describe subtweeting? That's the only other piece of terminology that I think is worth covering. Passive aggression. So it's it, subtweeting is when you tweet about something uh, or about someone without explicitly calling their attention to it. So you are passively aggressively talking about them behind their back but kind of out to the world so let's say for example casey was talking about podcast microphones uh, (laughs) and the right microphones to use and then i just tweet some people have no idea what they're doing when it comes to microphones I'm very, you know, if if you follow me and Casey, then you you know that I'm now talking about Casey, but I'm not making it clear to him or to anybody else that I am, but it's very clear to everyone around, you know? Right. You haven't you haven't mentioned me, you haven't included in my case at Casey Liss, but Or even everyone... said Casey. Casey mm-hmm. doesn't know, you know? Right. But everyone who's paying attention knows exactly what's going on. So anyway, so I apologize for most of you who probably are Twitter experts, but I wanted to get that out of the way. So we, Mike, should, have, we should have given like a, a 30 second skip warning to people. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll edit. We'll edit and post. You know what you can do? You can just put a chapter marker and it'll be great. So, Mike, why do you love Twitter? What do you what is it you enjoy about Twitter? I hate you, by the way. <laughs> I know you do. Um. I think the main reason I love Twitter is because I I owe everything that I have these days to it. Um, because, so when I was getting started in in like in podcasting and stuff, um, I kind of found my way into a a, a small group of people. Um, there was this kind of collection of bloggers um, that went under the banner called Read and Trust for a while. Um, and it included Stephen and my friend Patrick Roan uh, and Aaron Mankey, Dave Kahlo, and like a bunch of people that were like they were all had their own independent blogs and they like had this group together. I think Marco was in it for a while. 
Um, and it was, you know, it, basically it was this little group and I became friendly with one or two of them uh, and then was able to kind of get a foothold into this little community um, mm-hmm. and then became friendly with lots of people and, and it opened lots of like avenues for me from like a business and podcaster sense and helped me move along. But so that's kind of one thing, like without that initial group, um, I wouldn't have been able to get to where I am now. I, I firmly believe that. Like it was like my sort of breakout moment. And now as well, like these days, like Twitter is how I find out about things in the world because I don't read the news. We haven't spoken about that on this show yet, have we? I don't believe so, no. No, we need to talk about that one day. Um, about my feelings about the news and, and why I actually don't read any news or watch any news. Um, so it's how I find out about things. It's how um, I also keep abreast of a lot of things that are happening in the industry that I enjoy. Like I don't even, I don't, I don't actually read a lot of RSS I anymore. Like I've sort of kept that stuff down to a minimum. So I find out a lot of information there. And it's also how I kind of keep up to date with what some of my best friends in the world do. It's like, mm-hmm. this is why I love Twitter. Like it's this community that I'm a part of that is, hugely important to my life like maybe more than most other things because it's where the people that i care most about are Mm -hmm. why do you why do you love it yeah i love twitter because you know somebody said once i don't remember who it was but somebody said more eloquently than i'm about to facebook is for the people that you know and twitter is for the people you want to know. And I think that was a very interesting way of putting it insofar as, you know, all of my Facebook friends are people that I know in real life, family, friends from high school, friends from college, etc. And people that I interact with on Twitter, maybe I've met them, maybe I haven't, but they are not necessarily people that I have met in real life. And some of my friends on Twitter I arguably know better than people I spent my entire high school career with for four years. And the other thing, the thing that I think I enjoy most about Twitter is, and I said this a minute ago, is the conversational aspect of it. And that, yeah, sometimes it's a little weird and uncomfortable when somebody drives by and inserts themselves into a Twitter conversation. But (laughs) oftentimes, that's really wonderful. And that's so that's what one of the things I like about it. And the other thing I like about it, although it's very much a double-edged sword, is that Twitter affords you a modicum of access to people that you may not have otherwise gotten. So if you really enjoy some celebrity, then you might be able to, well, you certainly can tweet at them, mention them on Twitter, and they presumably will see that. I mean, there's no guarantee, but it stands to reason. And they may even reply. And in in what we were talking about earlier with email, where email, there's an implied commitment of writing something long and verbose, With Twitter, you're limited to 140 characters per message. And if you mention someone, so if you put in at Casey List, that takes away, what is it, 10, 11 characters from those 140. And so you're forced to have extreme brevity. And extreme brevity is a wonderful thing, I can assure you. So as a a concrete example of this, a few years ago, I was in LAX because I was um, working with a company 
out in the LA area and I was traveling home. And that day, uh, one of the hosts of Top Gear America, Rutledge Wood, was flying back to, I guess, the East Coast from, I think he was had, had made an appearance on Leno that earlier that day or something like that. And so sure enough, in LAX, I see him boarding a plane. And so just to be, I guess, cheeky, maybe, or I'm not sure if that's the right word I'm looking for. But anyway, but just, just to be funny, I kind of, I tweeted at him and said, hey, I just saw you in line at LAX. You know, I, I wanted to say hi, but I didn't want to be a total creeper. And sure enough, he replied within a few minutes and said, oh, that's too bad. You really should have said hi. I, you know, I always love to meet my fans. How cool is that? What was I, how would I have done that without Twitter? Would I have called him? Would I have emailed? I don't know. I don't know this guy's number. Would I have emailed him? It would have gone to some publicist. He never would have seen it. But Twitter affords that kind of access that that is really, really awesome. And, you know, as Joe Steele pointed out in the chat, you know, this also relates to our white whales. You know, we have access to our white whales, which maybe they don't reply to us. Maybe they don't even read what we say to them. Maybe we're not saying anything to them at all. But nevertheless, Twitter affords some modicum of access that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. What have you gotten from Twitter that's made an impact to your life? Though? Like, so, I mean, like I kind of mentioned how, you know, one of the reasons it's really important to me is, is not just because of like the access thing, which I totally agree with, by the way. Um, it's given me something that's important to me which is mm-hmm. kind of my career. <laughs> uh, have you got anything like that with Twitter? Um, I don't think it's quite as dramatic, and I don't mean that to be passive-aggressive. Um, I think you have gotten a much more dramatic thing from from your Twitter experience. God, that sounded passive-aggressive too. I'm sorry. But anyway, um, but for me, I think it's really helped shape me as trying to find a way to say this without sounding self-obsessed. It, as a member of this community. So of the podcasting community, or perhaps of the Apple podcasters, since my, my other show ATP is reasonably popular in kind of the Apple bubble. Um, I think, I think me being on Twitter probably too much has really God, again, it sounds so stupid, but has grown my audience a bit. Um, so I think a lot more people care about what I have to say in large part because of ATP, but in small part because of being on Twitter and and being accessible on Twitter. One of the advantages of having something like an eighth as many Twitter followers as Marco and like a fifth as many Twitter followers as John is that it's not as hard for me to reply to many of my mentions. And I don't reply to everyone, of course, but I reply to a lot of them. And again, being 140 characters at most, um, that also makes it easier. And and so I think to some degree, I've gotten a little bit of a reputation that um, that I'm the most accessible of the ATP hosts. And that's probably because the two of them are just crazy, superhuman mega nerds and I'm little me, but nevertheless, um, I, I think I've become a little more accessible. And I think that some people appreciate that. Does that make sense? Does that help? Yeah, I think so. I want to talk about some of the, um, the parts that go into enjoying and using Twitter though, and like kind of how you make it and we make it our own thing. So, I mean, obviously, one of the big things is like choosing who you want to see in your stream. So 
do you have any kind of criteria to follow somebody? Um, yes and no. Um, so here's, here's a request and what I want so badly, which nobody has made, or if it exists, I don't know it is some sort of app or web app or something that will look at a, a Twitter user and look at the people that I follow and figure out roughly how many tweets I'm signing up for if I follow that person. So let me be a little more specific. Let's say, Mike, that I don't follow you. And I'm thinking about following you, but I don't want to have another 300,000 tweets in my Twitter feed every day. I want some app or web app or something like that that looks at your tweets from the last couple of days and looks at the people I follow and says, well, A, Mike tweets just general tweets that are not conversational at all three times a day or something like that. B, Mike tweets at the people you follow, and thus you will see these tweets a thousand and ten times a day, in which case maybe I'm not going to follow you. Unfortunately, I don't really have that um, that tool. So what do I want? I choose people to follow by people that I think I enjoy their work, um, that I am impressed by, that inspire me, um, and people who don't tweet nonstop. So like I am impressed by inspired by, and what was the other thing? I don't know. It doesn't matter by Glenn Fleischman, Glenn F on Twitter, (laughs) but he tweets incessantly. And I, and I don't mean any disrespect by it, but I, I, I just don't, I don't want to follow him and just immediately mute him. And we'll talk about muting here in a second, but I, I, I am really impressed by Glenn, but I just, I try to be a Twitter completionist, which is to say, I try to read every tweet that ends up in my timeline and I will not be able to if I follow Glenn Fleischman. Glenn, um, Glenn is a special kind of person. He is. He's an extreme case. And he is very understanding about people who don't follow him. Like, he doesn't get insulted if people don't follow him, or at least as far as I knew. And he doesn't get insulted if you, like, follow and immediately mute him. Um, but, and the thing is, I, I think I do miss out on good tweets from Glenn. I certainly do. Although a lot of them end up bubbling up in retweets and things like that. But, Gosh, I, I don't think I can handle it now, Mike. How do you choose who you follow? And while you're doing that, why don't you why don't why don't you explain or look up how many people you follow, and I will do the same. So you you follow two hundred fifty three people. I had mm-hmm. I which is ready, right? Okay. And so before you answer for you, I will tell you that I think that might be too many for me because I can't keep up. Okay. Now, with that in mind, how many people do you follow? Nine hundred and twenty one. <laughs> How is uh, that possible? And at the moment, I am trying to bring it down, but I'm I'm I don't think I'm bringing it down by any more numbers than I'm putting it back up again. <laughs> so there's a lot of accounts in there that aren't people, so they don't tweet a lot, or like you know they're just like company accounts that maybe have one or two things to say every sure. once in a while. So like, oh, there's a lot of dead accounts in there. I'm sure, like just accounts that don't tweet anymore, and I'm always finding new things. Like, I'm looking through my list, and there's so much rubbish in here. It's ridiculous. Um, And, you know, I I should probably do a bigger job of actually going through and trying to get rid of some of this. But I haven't, and it's kind of, like, built up over time. Um, For me, like, I, I don't really have a strict criteria. And I know that some people do, and it makes sense, because every single person that you follow adds something. You know, they are... um. They are bringing something into your life that you might not want, you know, that they may be bringing uh, an added amount of 
noise, I guess is probably the right word, you know, into your stream. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, I know that some people would consider it that way, you know, and they would be like, oh, you know, if I follow X person, as you were saying, Casey, if that that tool existed, you know, that you you want, then Mm -hmm. you would know the amount of noise that somebody's going to bring in, like it would, it would assess them for you. Right. But I mean, so every single person that you follow adds adds something, and and that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, but I kind of I follow people for a few different things. Like I know them, um, I am a fan of theirs. Um, I see something that someone has retweeted, and I look at that person and think they might be quite interesting, so I follow them. Um, I, it's on a recommendation from somebody else, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, or I think that they might have some, or I, they're in an industry that I'm interested in and I would like to get some news about so I follow quite a few games journalists mm-hmm. because I don't really read a lot of games press and it gives me an insight into that because the tech stuff I don't need to follow any tech journalists or follow any tech news websites if I didn't want to because I'm still I'm still going to find out what's happening because yep. everybody else that I follow will talk about that stuff. Yep. But I don't have that for video games, so I follow a bu- I follow a bunch of video games websites that I actually don't subscribe to, like their feeds. Like GameSpot um, mm-hmm. is one of them, uh, Kotaku. Like I follow their accounts because I want to see what's happening. I just want to see the headlines mainly, um, so, so I have like a, an idea of what's occurring in the industry. And also to add context, so... You'll see quite a lot, and this was like when GamerGate first happened. I had basically I knew about GamerGate. I knew about the hashtag, and I knew about the thing GamerGate weeks before anybody in the technology industry did, because I follow people in the video games industry. But there weren't there wasn't really anything being written about it, so I knew that something called GamerGate existed, but I didn't really know what any of it meant. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so so like it, I I then started to follow more websites rather than just people so it could add a little bit of context to mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm. that's kind of like why i follow people um and now like so in regards to like unfollowing now hold on before you go there if you don't mind me interrupting yeah um one of the things that you just said i thought was really important and i don't think i do a very good job of it and you said you follow people to bring other things kind of onto your radar um building on that I had started following Brianna Wu, who is Space Cat Gal on Twitter, something like six months ago, because she had written a um, really interesting uh, email to uh, the ATP host after we did an episode on uh, sexism in game or sexism in general, I should say. And she and I had an email exchange that um, was slightly heated for for a moment here or there, but in the grand scheme of things, I think was extremely helpful to me and showed me that I have a lot to learn in, in, in that regard. And so I started following her on Twitter. And it's tough because a lot of time, I, I try to keep my Twitter feed reasonably happy, you know, good things and happy people because I don't need to be reminded about all the ills in the world on a regular basis. And a lot of the things that that Brianna talks about in retweets and whatnot are not happy things, but I'm so unbelievably glad I follow her because it exposes me to so many things that I would be none the wiser to if I didn't follow her. And I think I need to do a better job of following those sorts of things. So if you're an American and you lean conservatively, you should follow at least a few liberal people. If you lean liberally, you should follow a few conservative people. And I 
this is a do as I say, not as I do scenario, because I, I need to do better about that. But I think that that's another powerful use of Twitter. So I apologize for the, for the aside. Tell us about unfollowing. No, that that is really good. Like it can allow you to get uh, a different perspective mm-hmm. because that's that's what following Brianna does for you. It gives you yep, a different yep. perspective on things. Um, unfollowing. Why do I unfollow someone? Um, a couple of reasons. Um, they annoy me can be one. Uh, mm-hmm. And typically what happens if somebody annoys me, I might mute them. And then they'll pop back up again after a certain period of time. Now, hold uh, on. We didn't cover muting as a uh, as a piece of terminology. What, what does muting mean? Um, a bunch of different apps, including the official Twitter app, allow you to mute somebody now. That means you still follow them, but you don't see their tweets anymore. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Everyone's rolling their eyes. <laughs> I know they are. But you know what? It's for me. Everyone blame me. You can send me email and yell at me. <laughs> Um, so I might put somebody in what uh, me and a few friends call the mute jail. Uh, so like you mute someone for a period of time. Uh, and with like, I keep it like a store in the back of my brain. If I continue to mute this person, then I'm going to unfollow them. Because they might just have something that's frustrating me that they're talking about. Or they're talking about something I'm not interested in. Or something like that. Or they're just annoying me. That you know, they, they have views on a topic that I don't agree with. And they won't stop talking about it. So I figure maybe if they're quiet for a day, then it won't bother me. I think that's... You know, I'm being very candid here. But I think that that's, I think that's a reason that a lot of people mute people, right? Someone's annoying you and you don't think you need to unfollow them, but you want to get rid of them for a day until they stop. Yep. You know, so so that's why you mute someone. And I know if, you know, I keep in like a sort of like in the back of my brain, if I feel like I'm muting this person a lot, then maybe I should just unfollow them. That can be one thing. Or I've followed, like it's one of those accounts that I've maybe followed like a journalist or someone I thought was interesting and they turn out in the long run to I'm actually not interested anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I might get rid of them. Um, that's pretty much it for me. Like, I mean, obviously I, I, I follow a lot more than I unfollow and maybe that's something that I need to, to consider considering the amount of people that I follow. So maybe I need to go through and do a bit of a purge. There was a time a few years ago where I wouldn't follow more than 200 people. And if I wanted to follow one person, I would have to remove someone. Right. I know people that are like that, although I am not that way. I used to be that way. And then as time went on, it became too difficult. Yeah, I can understand that. So why do you unfollow people? What what has to push nice guy Casey over the edge? <laughs> um, you know, I it's very it's not terribly common for me to unfollow someone. I'm trying to think of an example of why I would do it. I think you've hit a lot of them. If someone is perpetually annoying, um, I I will unfollow um, if they tweet incessantly and about things that either I don't care about or um, I find distasteful, then I'll unfollow. Um, like, you know, as an example, so I tweet, generally speaking, about technology-related things, but I'm really interested in cars. And I think it's reasonable for people who follow me for the technology thing to just, you know, kind of put up with me talking about cars here and there. But if I was talking about cars constantly and you followed me for my technology insights, if I even have any, then (laughs) it's reasonable for you to say, you know what, I'm going to unfollow that guy. Um, 
but generally speaking, I, I like to think I have a relatively high threshold for following because I feel tremendous guilt about unfollowing. And so it takes a reasonably high, uh, you have to be relatively impressive. God, I sound so self-obsessed. You have to be relatively impressive to me for me to follow you. So generally speaking, I'm not quick to unfollow. The guilt thing is a big thing. Now, this is, so I I have people that I have permanently muted, mm-hmm. right? Now, the the permanent the permanent muting is for somebody you don't want to unfollow because you don't want to hurt their feelings, right? Yep. Do you have people that you have permanently muted uh, that I still follow? Let me yeah. look. I I will tell you for certainty that well, whether whether you do or you currently don't have you done that. Yes. Okay. So uh, that for means the, you for probably the, do then. Right. For the very reason you're you're talking about, which is to say there's some sort of um social penalty for un- for unfollowing them that you don't want to pay. It'll hurt their feelings, they'll call you out on it, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um the one thing I will say though, which kind of ties into both this topic and what I was talking about about me tweeting about cars constantly, is that some people tend to tweet about things I don't really care about a lot and i like following them but they're incessantly tweeting i don't know pictures of their kids or something like that and i love children obviously but i don't need to see hourly updates as to what your kids look like or what the weather is outside or something along those lines and where it, wherever possible if these people put in some sort of regular phrase like I don't know, Declan Day, for the sake of discussion, which I've never tweeted, but just for the sake of conversation. If every time I tweet a picture of Declan, I say Declan Day, and you know, I tweet a picture, you bet your butt I'm going to mute Declan Day if somebody's doing that on my Twitter feed, because I don't care. And that's one of the great things about muting is you can kind of tweak your timeline without having to be so drastic as to unfollow somebody. And I yeah. definitely have done plenty of that. Yeah, I do um, lots of hashtag muting. If there's ever yep. a sports hashtag, like that's the best thing. I love it when people appreciate that what they're talking about is something that maybe not everybody's interested in. So and they, self they hashtag. hashtag it. Like yep. there's quite a few uh, video games journalists that, that I follow that are also wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, you kind of see them like some nights, you know, when there's a big wrestling event on, they'll say, I'm going to be tweeting about wrestling. Uh, mute this hashtag if you don't want to see it. And I like that because they appreciate. And I see that some people with sports do this, especially during certain sports seasons. They're like, it's sports seasons again. Like, I'm going to start tweeting about this. Like, it's up to you how you want to deal with it. Like, I like that because it's like you're appreciating that people aren't necessarily completely like down with your hobbies there you go i finally got that sentence out they're not down with your sickness <laughs> i just totally derailed you didn't i i don't know. um i don't know what that anyway. oh it's a it's a song i forget who it's by but so like right. the, the muting thing can can be good for that like and the permanent muting is is something that can can be can be good because there are sometimes there are like um I'm tr- like there are people that you follow for like social reasons. Uh, yep. And then, then you kind of can't unfollow them, but you're not necessarily interested in what they have to say. Like fam- a family member or a school friend 
or something like that, and you're like, well, I don't really want, I don't really care what this person says, but I kind of have to follow them because it will cause awkward conversations. Mm-hmm. But this is the thing. So this is what I wanted to talk about a little bit. The reason I brought that up is, how would you feel if I unfollowed you? Um, I think my first guess would be that it was a joke, and perhaps I would expect you to just follow me back in the next few minutes. Um, if it came, if it came to be that you didn't, um, I think I would, to be honest, I think I would approach you about it and just be like, eh, what's going on here? Is but- there something I said? Like, did I offend you? Like, to be honest, I would, I would likely assume, and maybe this says a lot about me, but I would likely assume that I did something to warrant it and that I probably owe you an apology. I just don't realize it. Let's say that's not the case, right? So you confront me about it and I'm just like, uh, I just don't, I'm just not interested in what you have to say. Oh, that would absolutely hurt my feelings. Now, if you said alternatively, well, you know, you talk to John and Marco a lot. And actually, let me flip this a little bit. So when when people follow both you and me, I kind of feel bad for them because a lot of times. I about that, but yes, I understand. But yeah, because we've been better about it lately, but there are definitely times when you and I will go back and forth a lot on Twitter in not Mm -hmm. a lot of time. And I hope that most of the people that follow the two of us find that funny, but I got to imagine there's plenty of people who don't. And so I, if you would, if somebody said to me, you know, well, first I would hope that you wouldn't tell me like when people say, Oh, I'm unfollowing you because I just find that extremely tacky. But yeah, anyway, don't, you don't need, I don't need to know. It's yeah, fine. Just, just Perfect. quietly unfollow me. I don't need to know. But um, if somebody said to me, well, you know, I really enjoyed your, your tweets about blah, blah, blah. But you know, you and Mike going back and forth constantly, I just can't handle it. Well, you know, that would hurt my feelings a bit, but I would understand it. Because there are a bunch of people, like, basically all of the show hosts that I have these ridiculous Twitter conversations with. And then I'm kind of just like, well, you know, uh, this is just who I am. These are my friends. I'm talking to them. So, like, I, I know what you mean. I stopped worrying about that, though. And, and that if somebody said that, I would be like, okay. But if you unfollowed me, I would be very upset. I would be very upset about that. And... It's the same with like most of my friends. Uh, if I have a friend that unfollowed me on Twitter, it would upset me. And I'm and I've just been thinking about this because I'm trying to understand why. Because like we can still be friends. Like it doesn't mean the friendship's over. It's because I've seen I've seen this happen. I've I've been friends with people who one friend has unfollowed another friend, and then that friend now subtweets about them all the time. I I've see. Seen I don't this. I've seen I, this happen. Uh, you know. I really hope I wouldn't do that. I mean. Who knows? Maybe but I would. You'd be upset, though. Like, I mean, that's why it happens, right? Because if I did that to you, I think, and you would, because of like the the what we put on it, what you know, we as users of this social network, the importance that we put on the follow, mm-hmm. um, that when a, if a friend was to unfollow you, it's like, well, I don't understand. We're friends, so why wouldn't you follow me on Twitter? Right, right, and I agree with that. Um, and it. I, I don't know. If it, it it would probably upset me for a little bit, but more than anything else, I think it would hurt my feelings. Like, yeah, I'm like it. It it would make me feel like I'm not good enough for you, and that would hurt. Yes, and and I do think that it would uh, it would damage our friendship quite quite significantly. 
Well, I think it would be tense for a couple of days, but I, th- I, th- I really think we'd get past no, it. But I don't think so. I really don't think you would, because if you continued to follow me and you'd see me tweeting about stuff and you tweeted me, I'd tweet back at you, but I still don't follow you. It would annoy you every time. Well, no, maybe maybe I'm putting my feelings on you, no, no, but no, that's no, how I, I would fair. feel. Like if we even continued to interact like every week, and then and then I'd be like, follow me on Twitter. You know, it would. I think it would. So it's just this weird thing, right? Because it actually doesn't bear anything on our friendship because we could text all the time and we could talk on the phone every week but it would always be this little thing and and yeah. it's just, i just wanted to bring it up because i'm interested if anybody can try and like if there's any social studies or anything that or if anybody has any further insight on this as like the why they might think that this is the case but it's like it is like this little social club and mm-hmm. you could kind of, even though like you haven't left it, you'd kind of feel like you're now kind of not fully in it anymore because yeah, one yeah. person's kind of excluded you from their club, you know? So so yeah. what, the people I follow on Twitter is the club that I want to be in. And Yeah, I've that's a very out. good way of, that's a very good way of putting it. And, you know, whereas when a white whale doesn't follow you, that's not by necessity a statement that you're not good enough. It, you could take it that way. But maybe you're just kind of not on their radar, yeah. and maybe maybe they just don't really know about you, and that's okay. But if somebody followed you and then actively unfollows you, that's a pretty clear statement that either you annoy them, or you're not good enough, or something is wrong with you. At least that's how I would take it. Why don't you tell us about something that's a lot more awesome than than this somewhat depressing part of our conversation? <laughs> Igloo is an internet you'll actually like. Anyone that's worked in a corporate environment knows how painful intranets can be. But Igloo is awesome. They are here to save you. It's built with actual human beings in mind. Igloo has easy-to-use cloud apps like shared calendars, Twitter-like microblogs, and file sharing. Igloo works on your laptop, your tablet, or your phone. Whether your team is working remotely during the holidays or in the cubicles around you sharing a mince pie, you have the right tools to communicate and collaborate as you grow. It gives you the flexibility to get your work done how you want, where you want, and on what device you want. Igloo is building a product meant for 2015, not to like 215 or something like you know, 1997 <laughs> right they are building a product for today and the future everything you need to get your work done is built right into igloo so there's no need to manage multiple cloud apps or services and everything on igloo is social so as you grow coordinating people and projects is super simple as a bunch of social features built right in so your co-workers can like that picture of your turkey dinner or comment on the office's christmas party announcement everything inside of igloo is widget based and drag and drop so it's simple to brand and configure your igloo and igloo makes use of responsive web design so it looks fantastic on all of your devices including the new iphone or nexus 6 that you want to buy yourself this christmas because i mean who else is going to buy those things for you you'll look after yourself for christmas But the very best thing is that Igloo is free to use of up to 10 people, which makes it the perfect gift for your office's secret Santa. You can sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash analog and get started today. Thank you so much to Igloo for everything they've done for us this year and actually helping us launch Relay FM. Thank you so much, Igloo. Go show your support to them by going to igloosoftware.com slash analog. Yep, thanks, Igloo. So, Mike, can you do me a favor and grab your absurdly oversized phone? Mm-hmm. And Hang on a <laughs> yeah, I got it. Exactly. Um, 
And could you, uh, you are, let me start by asking, you are a Tweetbot user, is that correct? Si, senor. Okay, so if you wouldn't mind, if you could mm-hmm. go into your Tweetbot notification settings oh, don't do this and, to me. and tell me what settings you have turned on, and I will start. So I have a, like three or four accounts in uh, my phone. So I have my main account, which is Casey Liss. I have my website's account, which is CaseyLiss.com. Um, I have the analog account, the ATP account, and I think that's it. But anyway, um, for Casey Liss, which is the account I do 99% of my tweeting from, I have mentions set to notify me only if they're people I follow. So if you were to tweet tweet something to me, I would see it. But if, I don't know, Susan Smith (laughs) says something, I I wouldn't see it. Um, Direct messages, I get notifications. Follows, I get notifications because I have a unhealthily uh, my ego is huge and that's it i do not get retweets i do not get favorites on my phone what are your settings mentions all so this is for that's the brave. at iMike account god that's brave notifications for direct messages on retweets on favorites on follows on you are a brave soul my friend and i hope that all of the chat room is currently sending you tweets just to mess with you i do not disturb them ah and i have do not disturb set so it doesn't notify at all even when you even when the phone is being used yeah gotcha that's Um, too bad i also had the real fm account on here and i have no notifications set in so i set for that at all i don't think any of my other accounts do let me look uh, notification. Well, anyway, carry on and tell me something interesting while I install for time while I look so at I've been, this. So I've been thinking about this recently, and I've come to the conclusion that I have a dopamine addiction. Uh, you know, I don't know if I have quite as bad an addiction as you, given these notification settings, but I think I do as well. I think that this is, this is an addi- I'm addicted to the notifications. It's the only sensible thing that can explain why I keep them on, because my phone buzzes with twitter notifications constantly but i love that they're there well i mean that's the thing is twitter for better or worse can make you feel loved it can make you feel important it does it does i this is me being totally honest like it makes me feel popular like, yeah and i like that feeling uh this is me i'm laying it all out on the line now uh and i really like to know that people are following me. I like to know that people want to talk to me. I like to know that the tweets that I send out, people like that they favor it or they they retweet. I like to know that. Um, and sometimes you don't know some of that information without, or at least you don't know it immediately without um, notifications. Now, I'm not sitting and looking at my phone constantly. like, And sometimes, well, pretty much every day, I wake up or whatever and I have like the full list. I don't even really read them all. I just like to see that it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciate that there probably needs to be an intervention for me and it will occur <laughs> after this show goes out to the world. I Look, I totally understand that what I'm doing is probably... No, no, it is unhealthy because I clearly... Uh, I'm too used to and enjoy too much getting that little hit of dopamine you know that makes Mm -hmm. me feel good um so i should probably think about changing things but i don't want to but i think the first step along you know 
dealing with a problem is admitting to it, right? It's like step one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know it's there. I mean, look, I I want to keep follows. I mean, it doesn't happen enough, but I like it. Um, but I could probably do away with like mentions to just people I follow. I could probably just get away with that and like just direct messages. Yep, that's basically what I have. And yeah, well, that's what everybody that I know has. Every sane person that I know has their account that way. Um, I'm just not. I don't think I'm in that club. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the crazy <laughs> club. Uh, Fair in, enough. In this, yeah, it is. I know it. I know it's kind of. It is kind of stupid. I I know that. Like, uh, but it's it's kind of how I am with it. And I mean that's fair. I mean there's there's nothing really wrong with that. No, there's a lot wrong with it. Well, there is I mean, a lot wrong with it. I don't know. If if you're not a slave to your phone, which it sounds like maybe you are, but if you're not a slave to your phone, then you know whatever. If you like being no- if you have, if you like having notification overload, that's your call. But um I I for a long time I had my Twitter notification settings set exactly how yours are and there was a certain point wherein I was just, I was a slave to my phone and I probably still am more than I think I am, but at least with the notifications cranked back to basically only mentions from people I know or, or messages from people I know that does make it a lot more bearable, which is, which is really awesome. So. I feel like now though, if I removed the notifications. I would just go searching for that information. And that may be true. And certainly I'm guilty of probably, oh, I'm guilty of vanity searching in general and probably doing so more often than I care to admit. But I can tell you that I have been where I I have been where you are and I've come to the other side and I survived and, and I do recommend it. I think it's a much more manageable Twitter experience. Yeah, it probably is. But I mean, I feel like I would then just be looking at my follow list a few times a day and opening the official Twitter app to look through and see what my favorites are. And mm. I mean, I do have notifications when somebody follows me, so I do see that. And from time to time, I will look at my follow list and you know and spend a moment to see who's there. But <laughs> but and I will I, glance over my kingdom. <laughs> that is pretty much what it sounds like, isn't it? My goodness. Um, but. You know, I, I think backing off on the notifications does make it quite a bit easier. Um, can we talk? I have a couple of things more that I want to talk about, but there's one that you wanted to. What was the one I wanted to? The echo chamber. Ah, yes. Um, something I've been thinking about kind of a lot lately, and I'm working on a blog post about this, but I probably won't have time to get to it for at least a couple of weeks. So spoiler alert. Um, Something I've thought about a lot lately is that Twitter in many ways, or at least the portion of Twitter that I follow, um, it seems to in large regard be an echo chamber for a couple of things. It's an echo chamber for like-minded people. And that is absolutely controlled by my follow list, by the people I follow. And that's what I was talking about earlier is, you know, if you lean conservatively, you should follow some liberals. If you lean liberally, you should follow some conservatives and so on. But I'm not very good at that yet. But another thing that kind of bothers me about Twitter that I've thought a lot about, and I freaking love Twitter, but this bothers me. And it's that 
it seems like if you're not angry, you're not properly tweeting. Like if you're not upset about something, then you're not tweeting properly. And I don't know. I feel like it's gotten worse over the last maybe six months or so. And and I don't know. Do you feel like that's the case? Do you feel like you see a lot more angry tweets over the last six months than you used to? I don't think it's gotten any worse. I think people are just angry a lot. Like, <laughs> I, I mean that as well. Like I, I, It doesn't feel any different to me. Um, but there is an, I agree that that there is an awful lot of anger, but I'm not saying that I'm not sometimes one of the angry ones. Oh, and I'm guilty of it from time to time as well, but it just, it stinks because it seems like, it seems like all the time we, we as a group of Twitter users that tend to largely follow each other, we get our arms all up and get all hot and bothered about something. And we think it's the biggest travesty to ever befall us, like the the today widgets that uh, brouhaha that's going on over the last couple of days, um, which is such a silly thing to get worked up about. But all of us were no. worked up about it. No, the today widget thing is ridiculous. Well, but I'm saying in the grand scheme, I know you're probably being silly, but in no, the grand I'm scheme not. of things, I, I think it's ridiculous. But but, but in yes. the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. And well, I mean, because basically. With the way that Twitter is built, I mean, it is an instant reaction mechanism. Like, that mm-hmm. is what it is. Like, people go there to get out their thoughts when they're at an emotional state of some description. So, like, I'm really angry now, so I need to go and tell someone about this. I'll go to Twitter. Yeah. That's what people do, I think. Yep. Um, I don't know. That's just something I've observed. I'm trying, I've been making a conscious effort for a very short window of time to try not to contribute to that echo. So, well, to not contribute to the negative echo chamber, surely by, you know, me just having interests that are, con- that, I, that are in common with a lot of people, I contribute to say the ap- Apple echo tra- chamber, but I'm trying very hard not to tweet about things that I'm angry about, unless I feel like it's pretty important or pretty necessary. Um, as an example, I'm really upset that in the new version of Evernote for the Mac, you can't turn off, you can't have the Evernote helper running while turn and also turn off the menu bar item. I could go on and on about how much I hate that and I'll save it and not go there. But rather than tweeting in general and mentioning Evernote, I tweeted specifically at Evernote, hey, is this deliberate? You know, this doesn't seem right to me. And so rather than, adding this anger to this echo chamber, I'm trying to direct it specifically at the, at the group of people that I'm angry at. Does that make any sense? You're being a customer service nightmare, basically, instead. Cor- well, no, a nightmare would be tweeting. <laughs> ten- <laughs> you so uh, clear, so nearly got you there, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Uh, yes, a nightmare probably. would be tweeting incessantly to, to the 10 or 11,000 people that follow me about how much I hate Evernote. Which oh, I putting but- a full stop before the at, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So not mm-hmm. only do you say it to, to Evernote, you're also letting everybody else know about it too. Exactly. So I'm sorry, I feel like I interrupted you from saying something and I already lost what it was. All right, good talk. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, Mike, are you a Twitter completionist? Oh man, this is a thing I've been thinking about a lot. So yes, and I'm struggling. So I always was have been for years it's an important thing to me i like my account my my twitter apps to stay in sync so i can read all my tweets and the reason i want to read all my tweets is because i choose the people to be there so i want to see what they have to say right otherwise i wouldn't follow them in the first place Mm -hmm. 
since I started Relay, I've struggled. And it seems like where, and also since I left my job, I'm struggling as well, which is really weird. But I guess kind of good because it means I'm actually doing more productive things. Right. Uh, right. Where before I sit at my desk rows and just scroll through Twitter, you know. Um, so that, you know, I'm struggling with, with keeping up through the day and I'm, I'm more often than not a completionist. And I'm like, if I don't do it, I'm regretful if I jump to the top, but I am more likely to do that these days than, than I would have been maybe a couple of months ago. But one of the times when I am a a great completionist and I take great, care about that is when I wake up in the morning and I read everything from you know the last eight or nine hours and I read that with my coffee in the morning that's great mm-hmm. you know because there's still I'm you know I'm there's still a lot of a lot of things happening during my sleeping hours uh, so I get right. to read those in the daytime uh, and I and I would say that most days I'm a completionist although I to say I'm a completionist I scroll through everything I don't read everything okay so I used to be a devout Twitter completionist. And in the same way that I used to have basically all the notifications on on Tweetbot, over time I'm getting better and better about not being a completionist. And as with the notifications, it's been difficult to get to that point because I feel like I could miss out on something really exciting and interesting. But the advantage of Twitter being an echo chamber is the likelihood of me missing out on something that's really interesting is not very likely. And over time, I'm finding myself lately a few times a week just saying, you know what, I'm scrolling to the top and I'm I'm going to let them all whiz by me. And although I have a pang of guilt about it, in the grand scheme of things, it does make me feel a lot better. So I encourage you to, to try to be that way. But I would like to note, and I presume I speak for you in saying this, Mike, that I am a completionist and intend to always be a completionist when it comes to my mentions. And in the same way, I intend to read pretty much every email I ever get. And we've talked about this ad nauseum. Um, I will read all of my mentions, even if I don't reply to them. And I yeah, assume I that, that applies to you. Mm-hmm. I definitely do that. I love that. Yep. So I think that was worth noting. And I I love Twitter. Um, I, I think it really does add a lot to my life. I feel like, you, actually, you and I are a perfect example. I feel like you and I have gotten to be very, very close friends in large part because of our relationship over Twitter, because we were able to talk to each other oh, over definitely. Twitter. Def- I, I'm with, like that with so many of my friends. Like, seriously, mm-hmm. I have become all of the people that I consider to be my best friends in the world, those relationships have been able to grow into that because of Twitter, because I'm able to have constant communication with somebody that I maybe see once a year. Mm -hmm. Like that's it's, yeah, it's really, it's really important to me. And because you get even more than you would do through regular with, with regular friends. Cause usually with friends, it's like you can, find out how they're doing by asking them which i can right. do with you and you find that out and you find out whatever they tell you but this way like with twitter i find things out that you wouldn't necessarily implicitly tell me but i know right. them about you and i think that actually builds stronger relationships because i know more about you than you would necessarily share up front yep 
Yeah, I completely agree. And actually, I think that's a really great summary of what makes Twitter so awesome. Well done, sir. Thank you very much. If you'd like to find the show notes for this week's episode, go to relay.fm slash analog slash 17. If you would like to find me and Casey on Twitter, I am (laughs) C-A-S-E-Y-L-O-S-S on Twitter. And I am... I am I Mike. I am Y K E. Perfect. And you'll get everything that you could have ever wanted to get. Jason Snow is now following and unfollowing me. I thought you had Do Not Disturb on. It's they're coming up on my Mac. Ah. I put Do Not Disturb on for a while and then took it off and now I, I see it happening. And now the chat room are conspiring against me. Naturally. Well, thank you to our uh two sponsors for today, which were Dev Mountain and Igloo. And what's happening right now? Well, you were procrastinating. I'm trying to wrap it up. Do your <laughs> okay. job, man. No, carry on, buddy. No, well, now I don't know what the next step is. <laughs> and we'll be back next time. Oh, say uh, say goodbye, Mike. Goodbye, Mike. Of course you did. Um, and then there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and for the life of me, I don't remember what it was, and now it's going to bother me. All right, good talk. I see the um, additional bullet point in the document. Yeah, I know. I, I started I started to write it down, and gosh, I can't remember what it was. Ah, that's okay. We'll cut this out. <laughs>